As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Muddy Knees Media. This Christmas slash Hanukkah slash Winterval slash holiday season, The Athletic wants you to bog off. Because when you buy one annual subscription, you'll get another one for free. And similarly, when you gift a year's subscription, you can get one for yourself at no extra cost. So wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of The Athletic's unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash Scottish show. Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, another shocker for Celtic, more Covid controversy and League 2 are scared of the Spiders. I'm Andrew Slavin and look, I just need some more time to turn this podcast around. And so, I have the help from senior producer at Motherwell, Laura Brannan. Hello. And football writer at The Telegraph, JJ Bull. Good evening, or morning, hello. <laughs> Depending on how you're listening or when you're listening to this podcast, um, which we're recording a few hours later than we would normally do because Laura put her foot down and said she wanted to watch the entire World Cup draw. She never misses it because it is her Christmas day. Did you enjoy it, Laura? It's so exciting. It was over and done with so quickly. <laughs> I was expecting it to last about an hour and a half with them drawing it all out in between each stage, like the Champions League. But it was like 20 minutes, in out, bang, up the road. <laughs> Just but, the way we all like it. Is that because there was no crowd? Normally they have like a whole show and they have some band that shouldn't be there playing that song <laughs> that no one wants to hear. Maybe. They had creepy music every time they drew a country out, though. It was really that strange. was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. It was <laughs> no, like it was some good. sort of epic movie that was like a... Some sort of Z list actors. The big reveal. But how good how good was the draw? I mean, yeah, I don't yeah, think we a... could have actually have asked for a better draw. Because we've got I think Denmark and Austria out of pot one and pot two. Good teams to draw out of there. Um and we've got Moldova and the Faroe Islands as well, which I think they've been doing better compared to previous years. Um but yeah, pretty exciting. And our good old friends, Israel. Yeah, so <laughs> it's quite oh. I mean, we really. I'm really bored yeah. of playing Israel. I mean, it's just it's an annual event now. We just it's like Christmas. It's just not as fun as Christmas. 
SBL Stats on Twitter said um, between our first ever match in 1872 and August 2018, Scotland had played Israel three times. We're now going to play them seven times in the space of three years. Brilliant. And we still can't beat them. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's, we have beaten them. It's just that the last times have been very, very difficult. Yeah, it's just been very even. It's very evenly placed teams. But, I mean, you look at Denmark, best one out of pot one that we could have asked for. Austria as well. Um, they won their League B group in the Nations League. I think they're very much on a par with Scotland if you're basing it on the Nations League performances. Israel, we obviously know all about. Um, Moldova and Faroe Islands. Um, as a supporter, I think they're very exciting trips. Um, very unusual places to go to. I've never been to either of them before, so this is just so exciting for me because I get to see how the fixtures are going to pan out. I get to see how my holidays are going to pan out. Out of the teams, JJ, can you just bring up some of the players that we might be facing? Like Denmark have got quite a solid squad. Players like uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, uh, Spurs, who's been really good this season. You can tell he's that kind of really good quality midfielders. You've got Christian Eriksen, you'll all, all know about. Lasse Skuna, I'm not sure if he still plays... Um, international football at the moment, but he uh, he's one of the best players I've seen play in real life in the last few years. He used mm. to be at Ajax, but he's moved somewhere. Thomas Delaney, people who play football manager might know him well. He's a very decent kind of ball-winning defensive line midfielder. Uh, so that's the kind of players looking at Denmark. Though it sounds like it's a lot easier to play than someone like Italy, maybe. I think we would have been actually honestly better off playing England. <laughs> I think England, <laughs> honestly, because I think England think they're a lot better than they are. I don't think they play very well. That's they been own... the case for years. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, but JJ, we've played them in the last World Cup qualifiers. We've got them in the Euros. We don't need them again. They're, they're, they would become our Israel if that was the case. And you kind of want to savour a, a derby, don't you? Uh, no, I want to get through the World Cup. Uh, what teams you want to beat? <laughs> I think we're more likely to beat England. I don't think we would beat England. As much as it would be the most glorious thing of all time, I don't think we'd get ahead of them. Do we have a better chance against Austria then? Uh, perhaps like they've got some half decent players like David Alba is probably their best player. I mean he is by a mile. Um, yeah, Bayern Munich. Yeah, yeah, please Bayern Munich. Yeah, whether he'll be there by the time the World Cup happens, well, it doesn't matter because it's qualifying. It doesn't matter, is it? Uh, Marco Nartovic is he still playing in the Austrian team? He's in China at the moment. He's still in the national team. Yeah, so, I mean a lot of these players who go to China, people say, well, he's not playing at a high level now, but they're still good when they turn up. Marcel Sabitzer he plays for uh, Leipzig. They've got decent players. And they are a half-decent team. I think Scotland are going to be a lot like Northern Ireland have been in recent qualifications in the last few years. We're going to be really hard to beat. And I think we can, we've can. we got some really good players to use in the counter-attack. And I have full confidence that we can absolutely <laughs> fail to qualify in the last game from a free kick. <laughs> and of course, we do not get our Nations League playoff route because we didn't uh, win our group. So anyway... We'll move on now and we'll talk about the Premiership. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. This could be in for a third tier. It's Gullen. It's left for Stephen McGinn to rattle in a third for him. And that really does put the icing on the cake for the visitors. Well, part of the reason we agreed to let Laura watch the entire World Cup draw was because well, Motherwell endured a bit of a hammering from Hibs on Saturday. Certainly in the last half hour, three goals from Martin Boyle, Christian Doidge and Stephen McGinn lifted Jack Rossi's side up to third in the table. It's a kind of top five clash, wasn't it, Laura, because um, of Motherwell's wonderful results. <laughs> two three no wins. Um, please explain those two clean sheets. Yeah, it was a exhausting Thursday. Two wins... Six goals, 
two clean sheets, six <laughs> points. Very successful. Um, no, it was uh, so last the end of last week. It was the outcomes of the SPFL's investigations into St Mirren and Kamarnock after they had the the breached COVID protocols. Um, St Mirren were found guilty of a string of offences. Uh, Kamarnock, not as many, but also broke some protocols. These included um, not social distancing on the team bus, car sharing to training, um, sitting too close at meal times. Um, also, I think it was too many in the gym and the dressing room at the same time. Um, so, yeah, it just so happened to be Motherwell were the team that both of these clubs were playing against when their games were called off. Um, Motherwell didn't really have anything to do with it. Um, we're just kind of the, the lucky receivers in, in the sense of um, both games were awarded as 3-0 wins to Motherwell. So it meant that Motherwell jumped up to fifth in the table and took on Hibs, who were fourth at the weekend. So it became quite a, a tight clash in the end. I think it was a wee bit harsh to say that um, they were hammered 3-0. It, it wasn't... Um, I think the scoreline maybe flattered Hibs on paper at the end. Motherwell did have their chances... I didn't deserve to have a goal chopped off in the first half as well. Um, I, I don't know. I have a debate with my friends quite often that three goals constitutes as a thrashing. Um, and this, whether you agree with that or not, I this was very not a thrashing in terms of, of Hibs winning this game. What, what what was the reason the goal was disallowed then? So it was um, Mark O'Hara was deemed to have clambered on Stevenson's back where he was jumping for the ball to head it on to Bevis Mugabe, who essentially then scored. Mm-hmm. But there's a really good angle that Sports Scene showed last night from behind the opposite end of the pitch, and yeah. he, he didn't touch him. Um, and it, he didn't use his hands to elevate himself in any way. So it was a very harsh decision. And I know it's cliched to say these are the, the decisions that change games and everything, but, I mean, it was, it was goalless at that point, and... Had Motherwell taken the lead, yes, it it would have changed the game. It would have changed both teams' games plans going into the second half. And before Hibs had even broke the scoring in the second half, Motherwell had hit the, the post as well. So it just shows you there was there wasn't actually much in this game until Hibs just sort of sealed it at the end, so to speak. But in the second half, JJ, I mean, it was Hibs probably deserved to win the game in the end. Um, I agree with Laura. I think it, this was basically a draw, really. Wow. Uh, if you look at XG as well, our old friends straight in there, uh, it's pretty much even. Hibs have a slight advantage, but they had, I mean, big chances. Like Martin Boyle's, Martin Boyle especially was getting a few good chances. Tony Watt was getting good positions, but not really finishing them. But they're they're not positions that are high value. Uh, we're talking about XG, so they're not really high value chances. You know, there's one example that when Stephen O'Donnell raced away up the right. And then maybe it just took too long to decide where his pass should go. Ball went to Watt and he hit it from the edge of the box. Closed down, sure enough. But Hibbs set up to try and keep Motherwell quite quiet. And you have, like, if you look at average positions on the or like the stats behind the scenes, so they've got the left back Motherwell McGinley. He's uh, been kept back like really deep. We really needs to be a bit higher to give them width because they're playing three forwards who are quite. I'd say like Lang, Watt, and Long are both. They're all kind of central players. Don't you agree, Laura? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. They they're quite interchangeable uh, between and them that's the idea, and right? Against so you can sort of swap them in and out. And if you have that, you're going to have to have width coming from someone else. It needs to be the fullbacks, and only really O'Donnell's able to get forward. So the teams are kind of cancelling each other out. You had Hibs were in a, something like a four four two. Maybe it wasn't exactly that, but uh, they were able to create these chances later on. And as soon as that free kick, I mean, this is I cannot stand free kicks being given in the box 
uh, uh, for like against a striker jumping for a ball. Do you know these things that keep happening? Like, how can you think that's a free kick? This looks like it might have been. And because it's a goal, it's a big decision. You think, well, I better go with the easy option and disallow it. It's so clearly a goal. And exactly like Laura said, that changes the whole thing. But that's the thing. The reason I said that Hebs maybe deserved it in the end because, well, they took their chances. Well, you look at the way Hebs have been this season away from home. They're only bested by Rangers. And it seems like Hebs knew how to play Motherwell. No? Well, that's the. I mean, yeah, they had them like the 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 system is designed to try and keep them quietly hitting the counter. It gets the best players into the positions that allow them to do that. So you have Boyle being with attack from the right, and sure enough, he turns up at the back post to score his goal, and he was, did a couple of chances by turning up on that right as well. You've got Dre Wright playing off Nisbet rather than Doyd, so he's more of a ten than a than a striker, and so he he's moving about making noises for them, and that gave Holberg and Newell a bit of room in the middle. It was weird because although Hibs had two midfielders, I thought they had they were quite good in midfield against the three that Motherwell had. There's just something about the system that Jack Ross had set up in that game that seemed to really work. But Laura was there, so he's seen more of it. No, no, I, I completely agree. It's, I mean, Jordan Archer made his debut in goals, and I kind of do feel sorry for him because he wasn't really at fault for any of the three that were going in. Um, and he will be frustrated that on paper his debut will go down as conceding three goals. Um, it, it was harsh, but as you're saying. Hibs took their chances um, Motherwell and I don't think they're the only ones in the league it's something that's happening quite often this season with many teams not just Motherwell that when they're going behind they're struggling to then turn it around um, so it's something that I think that we really need to work on um, and not let the heads drop whenever we concede I think that's quite common in Scottish football actually is that once you um, concede it's then very hard to get back in it because most teams are set up to win 1-0 <laughs> like Kamarnik when they're success under Steve Clark, very good manager uh, you have to make sure you take the lead and you defend it and you don't allow any space and then as soon as you get a chance to counter you do and that's what happens with Hibs later on when uh, Motherwell are having to chase the games it's 1-0 you know, they're, at home they have to go and push for it and even though it's um, they've got players back to defend it it's still you're still in transition state so you're not quite set up and that's when they get the other two I agree Hibs were good for the win but I think it's it's a draw that game <laughs> although it wasn't a draw because yeah. Hibs go up to third yeah. uh, and we'll we'll talk about something else now a title race or is it? Well, the fans who are back in the ground today for the first time are making a lot of noise, despite being spread out all the way from pitch side to the uh, highest tier. Yeah, I'm not sure they should be there, Mark. Uh, why is that, Steve? Well, you're not allowed to watch a game in the highest tier, are you? Uh... Stadiums might not yet be full, but Paddy Power's offers are at full capacity. If one leg of your 4 plus 4 Acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football and all markets. The Acker Cracker, from Paddy Power. Max free bet, £10. Min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude. Shop bets. T's and C's apply. It's in plus. BeGambleAware.org. Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Breaks for Tanza. May is wide. That's a beautiful little ball. Chance for Stevie May. Chris Kane will score. Chris Kane scores for St Johnson. It's the first goal against Celtic since August 2017. And the champions are in deep, deep trouble again. So it's been over two months since Celtic have won a game at home. 2020 is kind of weird, right? Or at least the second half of it. Um, they did battle back to claim a point after falling behind to St. Johnson on Sunday, but the pressure is growing on Neil Lennon. So we're joined now by Kieran Devlin, the Athletics Celtic correspondent. 
Kieran, two wins in 12 games for Celtic in all competitions. Only one clean sheet during that run. And as we're recording this, um, the board have backed Neil Lennon again, haven't they? They have, yeah. And they, they mentioned that they'd review the situation in the new year, which seems to <laughs> suggest that the next six games, it, it doesn't matter if it deteriorates further, that Neil Lennon has that period of time to, to do anything. Uh, it's a bit... How long have you got if you're going to try and dive properly into this? But at least it's well timing to have the, the statement out there, I guess, something. Because we don't have anything else to talk about. <laughs> I, I, it's a bit surprising, really, because Celtic could lose the, the cup final to Hearts, which would end the quadruple treble chances. So even if they lose that, Neil Lennon will still be in charge. It seems like he's quite immune yeah, there's a lot of speculation that's going on at the moment and I feel like the Celtic are very much in defiant mode. Um, they are like, you know, circling the wagons to an extent. I think the board are very aware that Neil Lennon, he was their appointment. They were very vocal in their backing on them against quite strong fan criticism and um, when he was given the, famously given the, the permanent job in the Hamden showers when the board didn't uh, bragged about not looking at other uh, CVs, um, it seemed like they, to an extent, they also believe that Neil Lennon can still turn around. I was told after the Rangers game that they were confident that he'd turn around as they did in 2011-12, you know, that <laughs> despite uh, not having a shot in target against Rangers since uh, God knows how it went. Um, it does feel like there's an impasse between the support and the board at the moment. You know, it's like, you know, there's there's people saying entitled fans this, entitled fans that. There's like, it's just the the protest was prompted by the League Cup exit, and I think that's that's kind of removing all the context around this season. Um, I think you can make a valid argument that Celtic haven't played well once over 90 minutes, and even when the results were still okay before the Rangers game, the performances, the underlying performances were still pretty poor. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's an utterly bizarre situation. I think it's quite it sounds a bit lame, but it's quite representative of twenty twenty that Celtic could get a quadruple treble and still be in the midst of its biggest crisis in over a decade, if not going back to the nineties. It's it's utterly bizarre. Well, um, there's no short answer to this, so I'll try and make I'll try and I'll try and word a question so that it doesn't take you all like a, a week to be able to answer it. Uh, what is wrong with uh, Celtic? And what is actually the manager's fault? Like, what would another manager bring? Not just on the pitch, but what do you, if, you know, if someone were to come in, what do you think would change? So I think this is the big thing. And we have to be careful not to be revisionist about last season. You know, there's, there are some differentials to last season, like Fraser Forster is a clear step up to what Celtic have in goal at the moment. Uh, there was a lot of luck that happened last season and there's not been a lot like this time. But I think the big thing is when... Lennon first take over from Rogers, and he liberated the players. He gave them freedom, a sort of freedom of expression in a way on the pitch. Whereas Rogers was so dogmatic in his systems and so rigid in how he wants his team to play in and out of possession. And then, so when the players, you know, last season they still had the muscle memory of what Rogers was like. They could still play in a, in a clear attacking structure. They still had a semblance of a defensive organisation. I think Scott Brown is yeah, yeah. the best example of that because. He, under Rodgers, he was so good because he always knew when to press at the right moments. He knew when to go for the ball. Whereas this season, his biggest problem is that he's going for things that he's never going to have a chance 
of, of, of getting. He's, he's, ch he's, chasing, he's chasing the ball over the time and people are just passing around him like he's a scarecrow. Um, I think this season it's just an issue where it comes down to Neil Lennon's never been one for player development. He's never been a trainer ground coach and he's never been a tactician. His big remit is man management. He's a motivator. He's good at engaging players on an emotional level, uh, challenging them, uh, encouraging them, and players buy into that. His first success is at Celtic, at Bolton and at Hibs. That start, they started well because he is good at that, those things. The issue is when, you're only, when you are just a man manager, there's a time limit on that. You can't keep having these motivational techniques sustained over a long period of time. When it's sort of falling apart, as it is, it's in complete free fall at this stage. Um, then there's not, you know, there's not that attacking structure left, and the players are disengaged at this point. They are ambivalent. They're apathetic. Then there's nothing. There's nothing really there. It's just like an, it's nothing football at this stage. It's like empty and hollow and vacuous. So yeah, there you are. That's that's my interpretation of what's going on. I think they're pretty well to keep that down. <laughs> sorry, sorry for the question. <laughs> I would ask you, Kieran, then just to be. Um, honest enough to tell us then that is the season already over for Celtic regarding the league? It's I think on a professional basis I have to say no um, but I think my, my gut instinct is yes I think just just um, later, I think there still needs to be some engagement, there, there's always going to be a tiny fraction of optimism from Celtic that they, they can do this I just don't see how that's ever going to happen in these current circumstances. They are in such a mess and Rangers are so good at this moment in time that I just I really can't see it happening. Um, I think the biggest the biggest question and the, the development tonight about that statement backing Neil Lennon, the biggest question now is could it, could it get quite bad in terms of the point gap at the top? You know, how quickly can it fail to be a title race and start being you know, double figures, if not worse, at the top of the table come the end of it and how how catastrophically does that reflect on Celtic and then what comes after? Because I think there's a lot of thoughts about, you know, with Ryan Christie, Austin Edwards, Olivia and Cham and Christopher will all have one year left, only one year left on their deal uh, next summer. I think there's a lot of attention being paid to what happens next after so much has been invested in this, this one ambition of 10 in a row. There's a lot of fallout that's coming after this. I mean, guys, we have to really credit St Johnston, to be fair. I mean, regardless of the the misery that Celtic and Celtic fans are under right now, let's praise St Johnston because that's 11 games unbeaten in all competitions. It's their best run of results since becoming, uh, you know, a, a top-tier team. Um, they've really clicked under Callum Davidson. Yeah, it's coming together for St Johnston. Um, I think they'll have a... I thought this would be the one where they'd have a little bit of a... The hype train would derail... But they are looking like they've been well coached. The players are learning what the system needs to be for it to work. Go back to my old friend XG. The underlying stats of this one have it is Celtic have the advantage, but St Johnston did well, and I thought they defended particularly well. I wondered how much of it was St Johnston setting up because you know everyone sets up to contain and counter Celtic. It's the way you do it. If you can press high, you do with only a few players, and then you retreat as soon as you can. Otherwise, you get taken apart. But they were so. I mean, I wonder what's confidence in the Celtic team playing against St Johnston because if you look at the, the setups that Lennon has, they had a well, it's like a three, it's a three-five-one basically, or a three-five-two, but they play a diamond in the midfield, and you'd normally be able to get 
like we were talking about this last week, you, you tend to have to put all your play out wide onto your wing backs. You have Laxalt and Frimpong versus Tanzer and McNamara, who just seem to have the, the working of them. Maybe they're tired from Europe or something like that. I don't know. But they were just up for it, and you've got quite a busy midfield. Bryson and McCann, it's a good midfield too. They seem to work here. I mean, Bryson, really hope he can pick his career up. It didn't work from Aberdeen, hoping it can come good here. But having Wotherspoon and uh, O'Halloran in those kind of half spaces, we'll call them, with May up front seems to really work as well. The, the whole system there is looking quite... It just looks quite good. Yeah, this something else is the fact that they're scoring goals. They're scoring a lot of goals now. I think we talked at the start of the season about just how slow it was for them, how they were kind of failing to pick up. They weren't scoring a lot of goals. It was just sort of kind of trundling on by and hoping for the best. And it's completely different now. I mean, you look at it's a, it's a range of goal scorers as well. So we've got Chris Kane obviously scored at the weekend. Callum Hendry, David Wotherspoon scored the weekend before. And then before that, you'd Alison McCann getting in in the act. Um, Stevie May as well the week before that. So it's, 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 a, it's a range of players as well. It's not just like they've got one star striker that they're holding, who's holding the ball up at the top and, and doing everything for them. It's a, it's a real kind of team effort right now for them. And I think that's kind of, that's, that's a kind of real sign of success for me is when you're not just relying on, on one star man and everyone's kind of coming together to be that unit. I think the goal against Celtic, particularly, you can see um, aspects of how the what they're working on in training is is working. Like the the, the defensive shape they have as the throw-in comes in, but looks like it should. But the way they were able to thread that ball through, they win the all the the duels that in the air as the ball's bounced out, and then knowing that as soon as the the through ball comes in, they're gonna have a striker there ready to tap it in. It looks like the kind of goal a good team scores. <laughs> it's also yeah. the type of goal. Celtic seem to concede quite often a lot of goals over the past few weeks have came very close to that six yard box so teams are penetrating Celtic a lot easier it's a triple circle tap cross that's what it is (laughs) they can't handle it they can't handle it and and who knows if they can even handle being in this position that they've not been in Celtic have never been in this position over almost a decade now so 13 points off the top two games in hand but you can't even give that to them. Yeah, so just as we're recording this, obviously Celtic have recently made that statement backing Neil Lennon. I just kind of wanted to point out the, the ratio this tweet has done so far. Um, there's been 1.2 thousand likes and 2.4 thousand people have replied to the tweet so far. So it's completely doubled in terms of ratio. Um, and they'll I'm all not... make a difference, each reply. <laughs> yeah, and obviously <laughs> I'm not reading the replies to this right now, but that signals that people are not quite that happy um this comes obviously as it's um i noticed it was neil lennon's 20th anniversary of signing for celtic uh so two decades ago he started his journey with the club um so it's quite fitting it's kind of all happening at this time i don't know i just i feel like he was such a loved player and he was so loved in his first spell at celtic that i almost feel like now if he wants to maintain that sort of reputation and relationship with the fans it might be down to him to take up on himself and walk away rather than wait well, for the collapse. Well, well, look, we saw Gary Holt leave Livingston because he felt he couldn't take Livingston forward as a football club. Neil Lennon has been given the backing by the Celtic board, so of course he feels he can take the club forward. So it won't be his decision to, to leave. Um, it's up to the board, and the board clearly don't want to make a change. Um, but someone else who doesn't need to make a change are, are Rangers, because once again, 4-0 winners uh, at Ross County earlier on Sunday. They just keep on winning. Tavernier keeps on scoring. And uh, 
17 goals he scored two seasons ago, which is a club record for a defender, he could beat that before the turn of the year. It's just staggering figures that Rangers are achieving this season. Eight domestic clean sheets in a row uh, in the league and Cup. I mean, I, I have to say it, you know, how early could they win the title and could they even finish the season unbeaten? It's 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 probable, isn't it, JJ? I know what's going to happen. I know. Because this is very much... In fact, it's exactly the same as what happens on my... You may have heard about my three-time Champions League winning Aberdeen team on Football Manager 19. Now, you kept quiet for a while. I did. <laughs> well, we're nice. going to up again. I know everyone loves video games chat from a mid-30s man. <laughs> However... Uh, what will happen is that Rangers and they look like this they look unbeatable they will go almost all the season they'll get a few more draws but they will lose one stupid game to someone probably Hamilton actually just to keep them around about 10th that's who'll beat them they'll definitely beat Celtic I don't think they'll lose to Celtic the rest of the season uh, they'll get rid of Aberdeen and Hibs no problem uh, even Motherwell gives them a bit of a, a job maybe but I think they're going to lose something stupid like uh, uh, Hamilton and they're going to end up winning it after about 30 games <laughs> I, I feel like we could be using the same segment of the Rangers chat from our podcast week on week around because it's the same praise that we give them every single week they are absolutely untouchable at the moment it's just goals galore it's fantastic team spirit everyone looks just they're playing to their absolute best and yeah JJ's right I mean where do you look to see the where are they going to drop points who's who's going to be that one silly slip up that they have because that's the thing it looks like at this moment that it will just be a silly slip up because they've got their team Gerard has got them so sussed out and they all know exactly what their their game plan is I can't see them crumbling at any stage so it really just depends on other teams challenging them to if they are going to have to if they're going to lose the league but there's no challenge in, in the premiership it's a problem it's it's a it's a one or two team league and uh, people can moan about that as much as they want that's the reality of it you can't get close to rangers they just got it do you think they've benefited from the the struggles over the last two years but the continuation of gerard's message I think it takes about 18 months for a team to start to look like a manager once and two and a bit longer for them really to be the final thing. Rangers have taken round about the same amount of time it took Klopp to really figure out Liverpool and he's done it by adding players slowly. He's got Michael Beale doing all the training ground work by moulding them into how they're supposed to look. They can take players in and out when they need to to make sure that um, they have a bit of rotation like Barisic can be rested and he's really important to them in certain games but Ross County, you know you're going to pump them so you stick in Bassey and sure enough they're absolutely fine. Uh, one worry might be that players like Tavernier has played a lot of football and that eventually that might catch up with them and you need someone to replace Tavernier. I mean, if he got injured, say he got injured and say, oh, I don't know, Davis and Goldson get injured. You never know this could happen and that, that might be enough to sort of give him a little of a weakness here and there. But with a full strength team, I don't know. I feel like the difference right now um, in terms of when you, you look at Celtic and Rangers, historically, you don't get a lot of chances and you don't get a lot of time at these clubs to, to come in and make a mark because the, the psychology is immediate success. That's what the fans expect. That's what the club expects. But with Rangers in this case, when Steven Gerrard came in, it was different. He came in and the fans sort of accepted right away, look, we don't have to win the league right away. We're quite comfortable with that. We know it might not be the most successful one or two seasons, but we want to see progress and we want to eventually get that success. And because he has had the time to really settle on a team and settle on his mentalities and his philosophies, that 
Rangers are now reaping the rewards for it because they didn't just rush in and six months down the line go, oh crap, this isn't working, we need to change it. Have you seen this guy, um, Zungu, the South African player they've signed? Yes, yeah, from uh, from France they got him from, haven't they? Yes, and have you seen how uh, <laughs> like every Rangers forum or Facebook group or anything like that, there are hundreds of, um, well, I assume to be South African people, who uh, comment on, it's got this sort of uh, Chuck Norris effect. So people ask him, like, make him captain and chairman of the club. My friend Dave is sending me some of these things through for me. Uh, someone says, once I saw Zungu tame six male lions at once. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Spain and Messi calls himself Zungu at training. He's got this sort of celebrity status amongst a certain group of, of um, South African fans. It'd be great when he starts playing uh, but that, again, like on a serious <laughs> note, that's just the standard of player. They've got a player who uh, is well. I've not seen him play yet, so I don't know how good he is. But their bench is always strong, and like you just said, it's a combination of all those things: a bit of patience and time, good coaching, uh, time, good players, time, lots of money on expensive players, and a bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> right, time for a break. But afterwards, three clubs struggling to socially distance. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. St Mirren and Aberdeen were back in action in Paisley for the second time in a week, but this time the Buddies and the Don shared the spoils with a 1 1 draw. Strange week for St Mirren, to be fair, because, you know, big League Cup win over Aberdeen and then a draw against them in the Premiership. But they've been punished with these two 3 0 defeats, which means that they go bottom of the table. And this is the whole controversy of over their COVID protocols and and them not um, living by them. Uh, so it's 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 hard for them. But I kind of feel like they're putting in the type of performances where I feel like they're going to be all right. I kind of feel like they're a team that they they still know what they need to do. It's just they need a bit of momentum because well, unbeaten in six now as well. Yeah, Simeon are all right. I th- they were much better in this game than Aberdeen. Like. But they were so much better. They had all the chances. They had they were all attacking. They were pushing up high. I thought Aberdeen was pretty, pretty poor, and they have done for a few games now actually. Um, and off the back of the like them getting dunted uh, with those not points deductions, but you know, well, just not they're getting the three nil defeats yeah. basically. Yeah. You think that the players could react in one of two ways? Either they're going to be, um, oh. Or they're going to be, Rah! and it's definitely, uh, if those were words, that might have been the title of the pod. But they, uh, that's something that they, they were just up for this game. And we know from last season that Jim Goodwin, Gens, Fittes, Dean, uh, Aberdeen, even with players back in. Why do they look not up to the task right now then, JJ? I, I, I don't, uh, I can't really work it out. There's, like, it works on the good players on there. I think, honestly, it is relevant that Ferguson was sent off because, it, I mean, any team playing against a team like Aberdeen, they tend to sit back and reduce the space so it's hard to break them down. And Aberdeen don't really have the players because only teams with a lot of money tend to have players to break down teams with a, a 
deep block like that. Um, I could talk about it for hours, but I'm trying to make it really quick. But um, I mean, Ferguson shouldn't be sent off. That that second yellow, the first was yeah, a definitely yellow. I mean, he was lucky. I it's think harsh, it was. Wasn't it? it would be an orange card, I'd say. Orange card. The second one, I, I don't understand. You got elbow in the face. It's not a foul. Everyone knows it's not a foul. It's a, it's a, the Motherwell goal was a goal, and that was not a, a free kick, let alone a yellow card. Regardless, it's gone, and then suddenly you've got to play in a different way. Uh, you've got 10 but they're men. also without. They've also lost him now as well. They already missed him for two games because of the COVID isolations, and now he's going to be out again because they can't appeal it because it was two yells. Yeah, that's right. That's the unfortunate side of it. But in this game here, I mean, this is the thing. Like Saint Mirren had enough. To, to win it, they didn't, obviously. Uh, and their only goal was a penalty, which again is quite harsh because not much Hoban could do. I still think it's a penalty because his, his hand was out. Oh, th- this is this is this real... Oh, like, it's, it's not... He wasn't in a natural silhouette. It, it was a handball, so by the rule book, yes, it was a penalty. But this rule is shocking. He was about a foot away from the ball. He didn't have time to move or react to it. Mm. I, and I, mean, I, think- I normally agree, agree. I just think it is... It is kind of annoying when the ball comes off a defender's hand like that in the box. If you're playing against him, you want the penalty. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I, I, I feel like even refs don't like this. I feel like refs are just doing it because they have to. I, I just feel like this is the sort of thing along with some of the, the VAR decisions that are just kind of killing the game right now. It's just it's so overly scrutinised that margin for error is so minuscule. That so dramatic, killing the game. It's not killing the game, it's just an annoyance. It's killing the game. Regardless, though, St Mirren, you know, de- didn't deserve to lose the game. They've earned themselves a point. Probably Aberdeen lucky to do so because um, I think Tommy Hoban cleared the ball off the line. Or was it Considine, yeah, it was JJ? Considine got the ball knocked yeah, off like, wasn't a clearance. St Mirren were so unlucky not to win this game and that would have been a real valuable three points for them. I think um, points but- good for St Mirren, by the way. Points good for St Mirren against Aberdeen. It's uh, one of the big teams in the league. You think they want a point out of it. Aberdeen were disappointed on one hand because he should have beaten them and also the point they have a better team they should be playing better than they are but that 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 could be the turning point for St Mirren to keep this kind of momentum and this performance going because they will have felt they should have won this game so they should go into the next one feeling full of confidence um, but never mind St Mirren's COVID problems Dundee United had their own um, they lost 2-0 at Livingston and they were missing nine players uh, and their entire coaching staff Um because they all had to self-isolate after three members of the coaching team tested positive for coronavirus. And it's not the end of the story because it emerged that Dundee United had posed for their season, their team photo uh, on November the 27th, which led to the the Scottish National Clinical Director, Jason Leach, coming out, um, who's everyone in football's friend. I was, to say at least, a little surprised to see 49 people in a non-distanced club photograph. That didn't seem to me to be an essential part of the return of Scottish football in a safe and considered way. We now know that some people in that photograph were positive. And and Celtic were actually criticised for a similar thing as well. Um, Remember the videos from the Scotland national team with them dancing about? Yes, sir. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. Nobody kind of flagged that up from the. Uh, anyway, it's the important old... to adhere to these COVID rules. We want to get out of it. So it's just a really difficult um, time to to get through all of this. Um, but if we talk about the football, disappointment for Dundee United. Um, but Livy will be happy, particularly David Martindale, who's came in and um, two wins out of two now. It looks like he wants the job himself, and maybe he sure he should does. be given it because. He's been oh, the, no, he's, what's this? He's had one win, so maybe you should be giving him the job. It's just well, such you nonsense should listen, that comes you out should of listen, places. 
Two wins out of two. He has been at that club for a very long time. He has been the mainstay at Livingston through a number of managers. And by all accounts, he's the main guy bringing in the players. I mean, does he not decide this anyway? Does he not decide who gets the manager's job? No, yeah, no. A conversation with himself. Yeah, a long, <laughs> yeah. hard talk with myself. But the thing is, like, so sure enough, right, um, stuff about being at the club and knowing club, he, he'll, I don't know what badges he's got, right, and what his qualifications are like and what his, I don't know right now what his football background is in coaching. However... You can't say someone should get a job because they've won two games. It doesn't. I don't think football works like that because you've won a game. It's not the manager on the pitch. Like it just could be a little change around the stadium, which anyone might have brought in. What you want to see is a long-term vision, short-term vision. You want to know that he knows how to coach. You want to know that he's got people he can bring in to, to improve because it's recruitment that will make them better. Sure enough, like there's a better feeling around the club because they've just won. But JJ, wouldn't Livingston, uh, the Livingston board, know all this already? Because they know David. Well, yeah, but this, they, they make their decision. Like, it'll probably be fine. I, I, it's really complicated because you, you wonder, like, you put uh, Martindale in there and they might be absolutely fine and they'll achieve probably what they would have ended up achieving with Holt anyway. Or what you could do is you look for who's who's the next Sir Alex Ferguson. I mean, you could try and find that somewhere. Is it Martindale? Maybe it's Martindale. But you find someone who's young, <laughs> ambitious, put him in, has got a real future in, in uh, football. You know, it depends what your network's like. It's just, I always hear it on, like, on radio and TV and stuff that... A manager takes charge interim. Like, you remember when Newcastle were going through managers every two weeks and then there's something like, oh, give them the job. Like, it doesn't know how it works. But JJ, it's different at Livingston though because David Martindale is essentially the manager. He he just is all but lacking an official title. I'm not saying he shouldn't get it. I'm not saying he shouldn't. It's just like, you can't suddenly say if you've seen two wins that suddenly a boy should be a manager of a club. My concern though is because he's obviously had this so much say behind the scenes, um, and he is, so to speak, the, the manager with was essentially sometimes a scapegoat in front of him for when things go wrong. If he is in the manager and it goes wrong, he puts himself in that dangerous position because yeah. does he, he sack himself? Yeah, does he sack himself in that sense or does he just voluntarily go, I'm going to take a step back and again, do this unofficially <laughs> from afar? It's, it, I kind of feel like he had a kind of cushy role as assistant manager that... I don't know why you would kind of want to ruin that by taking full charge. Is is David Martindale the new Craig Levy for the season? <laughs> Remember when he was like the just running around at hearts? I'm not sure he's evil enough. <laughs> well, let's finish off with um, what was a good week for Hamilton, to be honest. Uh, after St Mirren getting sucked towards them and uh, going bottom of the table, Aki's uh, overtook the buddies with a one 0 win over Kilmarnock at New Douglas Park. They were helped, though, um, a red card for Clever de Camona, which, I mean, we, there's no argument, really, with this red card. Two-footed, a bit of a, a moment of madness, shall we say. De Camona's red card? Yeah, you've seen it, right, JJ? Of course I have. Uh, and it's a red card, right? Well... <sighs> what? Um, How? How can you even respond like that? Because he's... I, I don't because I don't he's not how this comes across as mad but I don't think there's a lot of like power behind his tackle and I don't think it's that strong a leg I think it's just the way he's gone down it's because he's so close to him the safest way to take the ball genuinely is put his foot low and make sure his weight is behind it so he's not going to be able to with two feet but that's the way he goes to slide and down and studs showing I, I, see, I see why it's a red card I'm not trying to say <laughs> it's not a red card I, don't, I know this is difficult it makes no sense I see what exactly why it's a red card, but I thought at first it's, it's just kind of like, don't do that. 
Man, I don't. I don't think he's. I see worse challenges with far more intent to harm and less thought behind them um, from other players regularly in the Premiership. I, it um, wasn't malicious, not at um, all. But but it was, and, um, I th- and I think it was controlled too. That's the only thing. I think it was. Oh, it, I don't know about that. I think I think, it, I, I think it's completely the opposite because he ended up doing what he did. If you land through two feet, you're not thinking, so there therefore can be no control. Let me watch it again. And I'll tell you. <laughs> Regardless of anything, Kumanik have are now like what four players they've had sent off. Certainly Fine. a discipline issue, but um, they're getting stuck in. It's what you want from your players. <laughs> right, well, I'm going to talk to Laura now, someone who's sensible. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, for this part, anyway. Um, look, it's been, a, it's been a month since Hamilton lost 8-0 at Ibrox. They've taken four points from Aberdeen and Kilmarnock in the last two matches. Um, but they need to do... They still, they've still got a long way to go. But this is a good, positive result for them. Yeah, they do. They, they, so they, they got their goal through the penalty. Um, Ross Callaghan Ross scored. Ross Callaghan, yeah. Uh, after Brandon Housstrap's hand hit the ball. Um, I think this was kind of a tale of two penalties because Zaki's got their penalty and then Kelly didn't. Um, but I felt as though it should have also been a penalty. So I think they kind of got lucky in that sense. Good time to score as well, 20 minutes ago. Um, yeah, it's Aki's are kind of powdering on through just now. And when you look at the fixtures they've got coming up as well, they've got the chance to go on a good run here. Because they've got Hibs and Ross County next, and then Levy, Celtic and St. Johnson. Um, and it's, it's weird to look at that that lineup before Christmas and go, hey, St. Johnson are the, the informed team there. Um, when you've got Celtic as well in the mix. But... Especially the next three games against Hibs, Ross County and Livy. Aki's could go on a good run here and pick up the points because they're all, they're all good opposition to take on there. I've watched it again, it's a red card. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> he got there eventually. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Fantasy football was back. James Tavernier, obviously the most captain player in Game Week 16. Guess what? I still don't have him in my team. Why am I doing this? Why? Why are you? Um, Why don't you have him in your team? But look, I'm not that much of an idiot because the second most captain player was Odson Edward. 24% captained Eddie. Um, he's the second most expensive player in the game behind Alfredo Morelos. Ah, almost sounding like Ali McCoy saying Morelos. <laughs> but he's contributed just two goals since the opening day of the season. I know he's had you know COVID, COVID reasons, being out of games and whatnot. But yeah, I only vice-captained him. So I'm um, slightly better than those twenty four percent. Why are you guys wasting your money on these players that are not worth the value? Because I want it to to reflect my real life rather than my internet life. Should, should know better from last week's podcast when we we worked out that it has been his twin brother. Remember that hilarious joke we did? Oh yeah, that really, one that we totally understood. Really and landed, got. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, guys, give me your tips uh, going into game week sixteen. 
Well, uh, last week, obviously, well, the one thing that's sort of annoying that's happened in the last while is that we wondered whether he maybe got a free hit with transfers because there was the League Cup games last week. That was not the case. They gave you, gave you a transfer punishment for that. Learned that the hard way. Uh, Dundee United players, not sure how many of them will be back in after that COVID-19 thing. Lewis Ferguson's out again. Mm. Uh, McCrory, I think you've got McCrory in your team, Laura, don't you? Or did I do. You? I, d- I, d- yeah. I do have him, yeah. You know, um, back in. If Aberdeen again do anything good, it'll be through him. Our fixtures, what we've got. I, th- I think up, Aberdeen so. players could be a good shout. Um, I think do, don't pick Dundee United players because, yeah, we, we obviously they were missing nine um, at the weekend. Nicky Clark being, I think, the main one who I think you are most likely to have picked that missed out. He's much also, cheaper than Shanklin Clark and he's scoring quite yeah, he's, Shanklin's not quite on it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing a lot better. Um, but also the fact they're playing Rangers. Um, so it's very unlikely they're going to get a look in. Mm-hmm. Um, could Kelly players been outside bet? Um, they're playing Celtic. Could there be a shock? I say shock, take? but <laughs> is Chris Park available? Do I don't know. They they really missed him at the weekend. I'm not sure if he's back yet or not. Um, That's one to think about. Greg Kilty's quite cheap. He's a good little differential. Yeah, I can't. Him. I can never remember if it's Brophy or Kilty. I've got in my team. I've I've got a cheap Kelly player who keeps getting me really good points with not really doing much. So there, there's kind of potential there. Um, and also St Johnson. I haven't lost in 11 games. As we kind of touched on, that there's a lot of different players that are scoring for them, so it's not really one standout option to choose. Um, but yeah, have a look at their, their previous weeks, see who's on a roll, see who's getting the most points. So there could be some for assists as well that are doing well. Um, or some defenders are getting some clean sheets, at least are not conceding many goals. That could be so Johnson's points. an interesting one, actually, because I thought Jamie McCart was excellent against Celtic um, and if they keep getting some clean sheets involved he could be a good defender to have in in for St Johnson maybe one to, I don't know how, how much he is actually I should point out that because we have our own little league you see there's a totally Scottish football league that you can join the FFS app if you'd like to join in we have our own private one which we're not allowed in and uh, at the moment Kieran Canning who's sometimes guessing here is winning that he's taking the lead from Laura Brannan Oof. who was your expert but now <laughs> the pressure is on Andrew Slavin is somewhere near the bottom. Let's ignore him. Charlie, the <laughs> producer, is beating him. So don't listen to anything Slavin says for this segment. And here he comes with the next bit. Hey, Jamie McCart's only 2.4 million. It's quite a cheap get. That's Slavin's recommendation of the week. Jamie McCart's quite a cheap <laughs> get. Da, 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 da. There you go. Um, from someone who is terrible at this game. Leon Balogun is about the same price and he plays for Rangers as the starting centre-back and they get a clean sheet every single week and that will happen forevermore <laughs> so I'd recommend him instead anyway there you uh, go. one thing I would say I've had this before Ross Callaghan he's taking the penalties for, for Hamilton as well now he's dead cheap Callaghan he's, he's scored his fourth in the uh, on the weekend only 2.9 million one of the cheapest you can get as midfielder to get some extra money somewhere else. I mean I would say not to pick a Hamilton player but yeah you're probably right just don't listen to me so that means it's time to hear from our friends Paddy Power courtesy of producer Charlie Charlie tell me who's going to stop relentless Rangers yeah as Laura just said next up for them in the Premiership it's Dundee United who will hope to have their playing squad and their coaching staff back for this match if they uh, manage to beat Steven Gerrard's side at Tanadice then that would be a Kodak moment (laughs) (laughs) but Paddy Power don't see anything other than a Rangers win next Sunday they're 7-1 to on to take the three points Mickey Mellon's men are a slightly seductive 16-1 to uh, also, Motherwell take on St Mirren on Saturday. Paddy Power offering odds of 14-1 to 1 on a 3-0 win for Motherwell. Some might say they'd have more chance of achieving that result if the SPFL just gave it to them again, but I certainly <laughs> won't because I don't like the way Laura's looking at me right now. 
<laughs> Brilliant, Charlie. Well, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, what happens, JJ? We stop. Exactly. Queen's Park are looking very much like the Rangers of League 2 right now. 19 points from a possible 21. Only one goal conceded all season. So let's hear from someone who supports Queen's Park. Keith McAllister from Queen's Park Supporters Association. Keith, good to speak to you again. I think it's been a year ago since we last spoke. Um, Because you hadn't missed a Queen's Park game for over 40 years. But then suddenly all the games stopped. How was 2020 so far? The, the the whole COVID thing is very frustrating. I'm the same as every football fan. I'm really missing my game on a Saturday. It's not just going to the football. It's also the social side of things. So I've known people for 30, 40 years. And I only see them on a Saturday. And I look forward to a Saturday. A few beers. You watch the football. A few beers after the game as well. And you just catch up with people. And it's great. And all that has disappeared since, what, March. And it's good that, that football has started again, but it's, it's not the same. We were talking about um, Queen's Park going professional after 152 years as amateurs, but uh, obviously like no one else in the world, no one could have foreseen what was about to happen. So six weeks after turning pro, they were furloughing players. That must have been massive, like a huge challenge, especially financially, for Queen's Park, especially after just turning pro, right? Well, we're very fortunate in that um, there's a guy, Willie Hockey, is putting money into the club. Um, and that's allowed us to sign some terrific players. He's supporting the first team wages. Uh, and he does it all under the radar. Um, nope, he doesn't want any publicity. But it's absolutely terrific for us. It meant we've, it meant we've been able to sign these guys hang on to them, very importantly. And um, once we get back to training, these guys are training full-time and we've been very, very fortunate. We've got our own training facility. It's made it perhaps easier for us than other teams. Um, we we don't have to worry as much about where the money's coming from. Uh, uh, but I can imagine teams out with the top league or probably some in the top league as well are really, really struggling at the moment. And I I, I fear for many of the teams in the, Scot- in the Scottish League. So obviously there was a signing spree in the summer. Ray McKinnon became the manager in January. It's been an interesting few years for him. Only one goal conceded. Best defensive record in Scotland. Is that where the strength of this team lies? Is that where it's all happening for you? Undoubtedly, I think the defence got going very, very quickly. We've got uh, Peter Grant, who's playing in the centre of defence, and he just seems like a natural organiser, this guy. We've also got Willie Muir, uh, our goalkeeper, who broke a club record for a number of minutes without losing a goal um, quite recently. So the, the defence has been really, really strong. Um, very fortunate there. Um, we haven't been scoring all that many goals, but that seems to have turned round now. And the guys seem to be linking up a wee bit better up front. Uh, we've got Simon Murray, who's come back from quite a long injury. And he's only played something like 30 minutes and he scored two goals and made a couple of goals. So uh, we're hoping that we're going to be scoring goals as well as not letting them in. 
So Spiders have been at the bottom two tiers since Scottish football reorganised uh, 94-95 season. How long before you expect to be in the Championship? Could it happen? Could it happen soon? Two years. Straight up and then straight up again. You know, I'm, I'm sort of half joking when I say that, but if you listen to the people who are running the club, that's their intention, is to get up as far as is feasible for Queen's Park and they really see us as being a championship club. Thanks, Keith. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks to JJ, Laura, Kieran and Keith and to the Little Kicks as well for their theme song. We'll be back next Tuesday with some more Scottish football. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Muddy Knees Media.